0: Price, cost, and value are three different things. We want value. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Sagers. here to help you Crack the Code of Real Estate Wealth. Today, show a code cracker. We're going to dig into money buckets and why you need them in your life. I'm going to show you how I personally invest inside the real estate market for real estate wealth. It's going to be a doozy this show. Hey, why is it going to be a doozy? Because it's full of great content. And i tell you what, if you are into education from real estate, make sure you dart about and listen to some Other podcasts that I've done because all the shows are lessons on real estate. And of course, remember, play the show in double speed. I do not sound like a chipmunk whatsoever. Hey, I tell you what, I've got an appointment after this, so I need to do the show in record time. Yes, as you know, my shows can go for a while. So today, I guarantee you, I'm probably going to share the information in around 45 minutes. Hey, I didn't get the memo. I didn't realize today was National Gopnik Day. Yes, every corner I've been to this morning of the planet of Earth has had weird Gopniks terrifying everyone. I just took my wife for a PCR test. And uh, it was an indoor PCR test. She's going to do some international travel, and there was clearly Gopniks with COVID, just spraying COVID around, refusing to wear masks, abusing the nurses. It was Gopnik Central. Now even my little Gopnik dog did some very Gopnik things this morning. I took him for a walk and where I was walking him, there was a public bowl that other dogs could drink from. from. My little Gopnik dog took a pee in it. So I tell you what, today is clearly Gopnik National Day. Uh, if it's not, I think we should name today the National Day of Gopniks and let them out, uh, let them Walk the streets in pride and cause havoc because clearly today was that day. Hey, we're gonna dig into a couple of the plans that I teach in real estate. We're gonna talk about money buckets. As you know, I teach seven clear plans inside of real estate. Real estate investment's not just about buying property, it's about having some clear plans to get you to where you wanna go. For many people, that's uh you know, personal, that's making some extra money, that's putting their kids through private school, that's creating a legacy of intergenerational wealth. Whatever it is to you, I can assure you if you adopt the idea of building a roadmap, you're going to be more successful as a property investor than just shooting from the hip and hoping you uh, score a goal so the plans i teach are a capital growth plan a rental growth plan a tax minimization plan a debt reduction plan a income retirement plan a finance and buying power plan and of course a wealth acceleration plan today i'm going to show you how i invest with a bit of a focus on the rental growth part of this plan and of course a little bit of a focus on the wealth acceleration plan. So I want to go over it with you in detail. So you can walk away from this podcast going, I get it, I get it. I've got a lot of work to do, but I actually want to become wealthy out of real estate. Real estate, of course, is Australia's number one asset class. It helps people get ahead, but certainly with the high prices that have come to the real estate market, we need to make sure that we've got some comprehension of how to put more money in various buckets to be successful as a property investor. Now, Kiyosaki ultimately has uh, some great lessons when it comes to real estate. He's the godfather of property investment. And of course, he has his famous cash flow quadrant, which is all about creating a money bucket from really our jobs or what we do for a living. And I think it's underestimated in wealth creation that really one of the primary ways to become wealthy and the first money bucket today is to make sure you concentrate on being Better at what you do whatever that skill is it could be running a business it could be that you're self-employed it could be that you work for someone else but the real truth of any uh, dynamic when it comes to cash flow is don't let the market dictate what you're worth be more uh be worth more to the market and if that means upskilling if that means changing job, if that means improving your business, ultimately that is going to have a massive flow on effect to building wealth. And the wealthiest people I know are very good at their craft, which is actually their job. I do not know many wealthy people that work three days a week or fake shit on Instagram, right? I don't. Um, I know some charlatans, (laughs) that uh, talk a load of hogs wallop on Facebook, that uh, have been involved in the real estate market for three to four years, that are not wealthy, that are fundamentally faking it till they make it. So we've got to add more value whatever we do. Whatever we do when it comes to uh, our work is make more money. We've got to make more money. The only way to do that is to be worth more to the marketplace. And in some respects, going off and starting a business without setting the foundations of wealth, it actually can send you backwards. Uh, The reason being, it's a lot harder to borrow money when you start a business. Businesses can be great if you create a system that ends up paying you, but really, most businesses, people own a job. They don't own something that pays them while they do nothing, while they're down at the beach. So uh, understand, really, if we want to be worth more, if we want to build a bigger portfolio, if we want to buy better assets, probably the first place to start is your first money bucket is absolutely what you do for a living, um, how you can add value to wherever you work or whatever you do for a business line. It's critically important second money bucket is your superannuation uh now i i'm just going on record and i'm gonna say that most industry super funds are going to get carved up they are going to get carved up i don't know when the losses are coming but i can tell you they're coming uh most superannuation funds are invested heavily in the office market in the retail market and as we know Office and retail is being uh, propped up by stimmies at the moment. So I would imagine when a lot of the leases expire inside of uh, the tenancy market in the commercial sector. A lot of businesses won't need the office space they need. A lot of uh, a lot of REITs, if you like, that own huge commercial towers. I don't don't know what profit they're going to report, but a lot of superannuation is heavily invested in that space. So I avoid that by running my own superannuation fund. And certainly this is not advice, but I can tell you it is a very good money bucket. I've done an episode on my superannuation story. Uh, It's about buying assets that you can control It's about controlling debt, paying down debt, and ultimately creating cash flow. So it is a great money bucket. It's not for everyone, and certainly uh, if you can't manage $1,000 to... The end of the week, you're probably better off in an industry super fund. But my warning is: I think a lot of the industry super funds are not going to post a profit simply because of what they're exposed to and some of the weaknesses in what is ahead inside of that space. But it is a money bucket. You got to play the game. Get involved with your superannuation. Make the extra repayments. uh, Make the extra contributions play the game. It is a very tax efficient place to become wealthy in Australia. And uh, really, one could argue perhaps anyone over 40 should really be looking at self-managed super as a place to park profits, a place to park cash, a place to own real estate because it is so tax effective later in life. So, uh, we got three actions that we need to consider as a property investor right? when it comes to building wealth. We know the first action is improve our job. We know the second action is to make sure we control our super, but then we got to go and build a portfolio. So there's three lifetime actions a property investor goes through. The first one is deploying capital. Deploying capital is all about the velocity of growth. You've got to save some money, put it into the market. You need the market to produce something. You've then got to borrow uh, against real estate leverage higher. That is creating equity and using that equity to deploy more capital to buy more assets. I say this all the time. Most Australians, really are not set up for a wealthy retirement because simply put, they don't deploy enough capital. You can't get wealthy if you do not deploy capital. The second big pillar of uh, lifetime actions is to change the trajectory of your cash flow. And I'll talk about that today how I invest and how I change my cash flow trajectory. And the third lifetime action, if you like, is to build annuity streams. In other words, build something that is going to pay you later in life. Real estate is a game of cash flow. In the beginning, it is a game of growth, but where you end up when you, uh, want to get out of this thing called having a job. If you don't have businesses paying you, if you don't have annuity streams paying you, you're going to have the pension paying you. So you've got to set your portfolio up. So it goes through this period of time called ownership to end up in a place where it's going to create you annuities, right? So the first thing we got to do is deploy capital we've got to deploy money into the market and again most australians suffer with the complex of really the only thing they deploy capital on is their family home and that really is their retirement strategy but of course when it comes to retirement really all they can do is offload that asset and buy a much cheaper asset and really trade or arbitrage the quality of life Uh, So many Australians sit on a nest egg, they're asset rich, but they're cash poor. They actually have one asset, but no cash coming in. When they decide to retire, they trade in, you know, their $1.5 million home, downgrade fundamentally to something which is going to be more affordable so they can free up their time. I'll tell you what, why don't we do this a different way? Why don't we deploy more capital? And in real estate, we call that an automatic acquisition plan. Let's try and find, uh, let's try and get to around five good properties inside the real estate market. Or if it's not five properties, at least $2 million worth of real estate. The reason we want $2 million worth of real estate is on a good 5% return, that's over $100,000 gross in rental income now we can choose to work out how to pay that off we uh we can choose to pay down debt by selling other assets there are multiple ways to go through a 25 year journey where you're debt free on your investment properties a lot of people don't pay off the debt they simply use growth to control debt other people uh use a combination of both I'm not here to tell you what is right or wrong. I'm here to tell you you need to uh, apply this methodology to fundamentally have enough capital deployed in the marketplace. Now, once upon a time in Australian real estate, you could go to the bank and pretty much walk out with a loan with really no credentials. Banking uh, went through a period of just being wild in Australia. And of course, what that meant was, Many property investors could build a portfolio of multiple assets. Uh, Myself, I got up to 21 assets. I don't own 21 properties today. The reason is I've sold really around 50% of them down to reduce my debt, right? So that's wealth creation. Sometimes you buy more properties than you need on the basis that you're going to use some of those properties to lower the LVR on your complete portfolio. My current LVR is really, really low. Like I'm down to around 27% of debt. So I own more of me, if you like. So within a few short years, I could be completely debt-free if I choose to. Uh, Right now, I'm not choosing to. But the point is I've deployed enough capital to pay off all my debt, um, if I wanted to distinguish it, I fundamentally absolutely could. I could uh, I could maneuver to a debt free place um, by you know angling in on um, on which assets I want to keep and which ones I don't. Right. So um, absolutely, we're in a place where um, you need to deploy capital. Now, the biggest problem with Australian real estate today is borrowing money. Money ultimately uh, will lead you to a result in real estate. This is why money bucket number one is really critical. You've got to earn a lot of money so you can go and borrow a lot of money. If you're a low income earner, it's going to be a lot harder to multiply really quality assets in the deployment of capital phase. So our job is very important to this part of the puzzle. And again, this may mean you need to potentially look at multiple ways to create cash flow from work so you can deploy more capital and build yourself a good capital base. Asset allocation is important, right? So in real estate, we have growth real estate and then we have really a hybrid where you can get a property which has really good rental returns. And for me, I like to apply an asset allocation model of when I've built my portfolio, I've pigeon paired both growth assets and what I call hybrid assets. In other words, they're very good growth assets as well. They're not cash flow assets. In other words, a lot of cash flow assets in small regional towns have a really good rental return on them, but they've never grown before. So they're kind of um, a faux pas, if you like, in the marketplace. They yield well, but they're not suitable for capital growth. They could be in a very, uh, for example, lower socioeconomic area, which is not prone to capital growth. So for me, I buy growth real estate, really uh, quality growth properties, and I buy growth properties which I can change the trajectory of the cash flow. So for today's show, let's call that a hybrid. So remember those five properties, the hybrid conversation or the asset allocation conversation could be two or three really strong growth assets and then two or three really strong growth assets where you can change the trajectory of the cash flow. It's a very important part of this puzzle because, again, to end up on more cash flow later in life, you're going to need assets which you can change the trajectory of the cash flow over your lifetime actions. Remember, there are the three parts to this puzzle. Deploy capital. Second part, change the trajectory of the cash flow. Third part of the puzzle is build annuity streams, right? That's just the way it works. So the third money bucket, remember the first one is fix your job, fix your business. Second one is make sure your super is sorted. Third one is make sure you're not overpaying your tax situation. Now, again, if you just buy more modern properties that don't have to be brand new, brand new helps, um, you are going to fundamentally get your tax back. Now, most Australians uh, pay a fair amount of tax. Let's say someone on $100,000 gross income ends up netting around $75,000 of that gross income um, and pays $25,000 in tax. If you own some investment properties, you're going to uh, claw a lot of that $25,000 loss back. In other words, you will actually earn your full amount of money that you're paid for from your wage or from your business. And this, again, I think is just overlooked by so many property investors who uh, just don't play the money bucket game, right? We, as in wealth, are in the money bucket game. So if you are paying $50,000 in tax and you can get that $50,000 back by owning investment properties and, of course, claiming things like depreciation off them, then you're just going to have more cash flow because at the end of your taxable year, you're going to do a tax return and you're going to get money back. And again, that cash flow is very critical for many property investors to help them to the end game, which of course is financial freedom. And of course, this is a massive money bucket. And I would say most property investors fail at this money bucket. It is a critical part of the process. So the fourth money bucket, if you like, is making sure that you understand capital growth. Capital growth is uh, a big part of the puzzle of deploying capital. Remember, we want to deploy capital into the marketplace. We want to throw it out there and we want to catch some capital growth. Now, of recent times, the market has been doing a lot of the work, but Really, uh, we've probably been through what we would refer to as a a once-in-a-generational boom. Uh, Right now, though, um, the markets will eventually all go back to a very normal place, and this is where, again, we've got to have properties which really do fit into our Forex growth plan. Remember, there's more ability for people to get capital then there are good properties. There is more capital than there is good properties. So we want to be uh, in the good property section of the marketplace, because if you're in the good property section of the marketplace, we're ultimately going to see better levels of capital growth. Now, I teach a Forex growth plan. I use this plan on every property I personally buy. Uh, the plan is pretty simple. Um, you can make money by doing a deal. In other words, you um, you can make money getting a discount off a property. You can make money doing a knockdown rebuild. You can make money amalgamating property. You can make money uh, negotiating with the vendor, right? These are just deals. So deals provide a form of growth to your property. Um, again, if I was to say what proportion of capital growth would a deal absolutely uh Create if we're measuring capital growth at a hundred percent. Well, doing a deal, you're going to make like 10 percent, sometimes 15 percent. If you're doing small developments, you could make 15 to 20 percent, right? So, deals help you uh, create growth because you're manufacturing growth, you're not waiting for the market. The second form of capital growth is location growth. You can do what you want to real estate. You can never ever change its location. There are better locations in our places and there are worse locations in our places. The best locations get the best capital growth. Obviously, if you can buy a good location, then you're going to get faster rate of growth. And this is where Better locations, for example, have a better past history of annualised growth. By way of example, a five percent historical growth rate would see a property double in fifteen years. A seven percent growth rate would see a property double in ten years. I always like to urge on the uh, on the caution of um, of uh, you know uh, just when you're doing your numbers, always factor in something might go wrong. So um, never have the expectation that real estate is going to double in seven years or anything like that. Um, Do your numbers on the worst case scenario at 5%. But locations will grow faster than that. Certainly happened to me um, when I've applied this Forex growth plan. And of course, the better locations just have a better rate of capital growth. The third uh, growth conceptive is, of course, the market, right? The market will grow and it's led by population forces, infrastructure forces, employment forces, demographics, supply forces, and of course, the yield performance. So all of these things move the market. And uh, I won't get into broadly what that is today, but ultimately, everyone has been blessed by the market of late But that doesn't always produce growth. We've got to have a location growth strategy, a buying growth strategy or a deal growth strategy. And the final growth strategy, of course, is behavioural growth. You know, how walkable is the property to the shops? Um, How much skill is in the local economy? How the orientation of the property affects its value behaviours or influences which are beyond the market, right? And they're beyond the the location, the very niche to the property itself. Remember, real estate has a price. Real estate has a cost. But what we want to achieve out of real estate is where is the value? The net, uh, the true worth of real estate is not the price or the cost. It's actually the value. In other words, I'd rather pay over for. Uh, a property on price if it's going to bring me more value. I would pay $50,000 more than a property is worth if it is very interesting and scarce. Price, cost, and value are three different things. We want value. Remember, there are three ways you can analyze really good value in growth assets. Remember, this is about deploying capital. We want to get money out to the market as fast as possible. The three things you've got to consider are land characteristics, location characteristics, and building characteristics. If you can nail all them, you're going to find capital growth in the marketplace. And, of course, growth over time generally is exponential when you start to see supply drop. And, of course, um, some of the better locations are the first to lose High levels of supply and the reason they are the first to lose high levels of supply is rich people like being rich and they start to protect their interests. So uh, in some respects when we look at real estate if we can get those better suburbs we're just going to get a higher level of growth because they're less impacted by market changes. Now the velocity of the growth is a key principle to where we're going to end up from the money buckets today. Remember, we're up to money bucket 4, just finding growth in the market. First money bucket, your job, second money bucket, your super, third money bucket, your tax. Fourth money bucket is deploying capital and creating growth. Now, the challenge for most people is they start from a net zero position. In other words, they buy a $500,000 property and for that property to become a million dollars, they need 100% growth. 100% growth on a property generally happens over a 15-year period. So again, this is where a lot of people fail at wealth because the biggest problem you buy when you become a property investor is the problem of time. To get 100% growth on something takes time. Even to go from $1 million to $2 million worth of real estate, you still need 100% growth to achieve that. So here's the challenge. The first $2 million worth of real estate for any property investor is actually the hardest. And as we know, if we own $2 million worth of real estate, at a five percent gross return that'll spit out a hundred thousand dollars in cash flow which for most people is the amount they want in retirement so the challenge is time growth and time go hand in hand but here's the acceleration part uh to make uh An extra million dollars if you have two million dollars worth of real estate and you want to see that two million dollars worth of real estate go to three million, whether it's one property, whether it's five properties, you now only need 50% growth. To go from three million to four million, you just need 33% growth. From four million to five million, you just need 25% growth. Now, don't miss the magic here because this is where you're going to down the track, using another money bucket strategy, change the trajectory of the cash flow. Change the trajectory of the cash flow. It's going to be really critical that you can get through this turbulence and go from the $2 million mark of real estate into a higher level. It allows you to play a completely different game. Now, remember, this is a wealth acceleration point. You going from two million to three million, potentially three million to four million, a wealth acceleration point. Why? You need less growth to achieve the same thing. Albert Einstein called this the eighth wonder of the world. It is an incredible wonder that uh, fundamentally, the more you've got, the quicker your property is going to produce an outcome. So this is the fourth money bucket. We want to get to this wealth acceleration point. If we're not getting to the wealth acceleration point, again, we're still stuck in the the dogma of, uh, you know, potentially we hate our properties, we hate our job. This, this is This is still, you're still, even though you've got properties, you're still stuck. Then all of a sudden you get to this wealth acceleration point and you start to get unstuck. Now, I'm just going to send a text because I'm going to be late to a meeting uh, that I am due in in 13 minutes. I will be 10 minutes late. All right, so Money Bucket 5. We want growth from the Forex Growth Plan, but we want to set ourselves up for later in life by changing the trajectory of cash flow on our growth assets so remember the three quadrants if you like quadrant one is uh deploy capital quadrant two is change to the trajectory of your cash flow quadrant three is live off income annuity so we're at quadrant true two Um, and we've done uh, four money buckets, right? So now we're up to the fifth money bucket, which is making sure that when we build the portfolio, we're not only just choosing growth properties, but we choose growth properties that we can manipulate the cash flow on. Now, to manipulate cash flow, there are three principles. Market forces, the highest and best use of the property, and alternative cash flow. And I'll talk to you through what that means. Now, as a property investor, we uh, want to end up in a place where we're positive geared or positive cash flow. Obviously, when we deploy capital, we're quite often negative cash flow. In other words, our job props up our portfolio, our tax softens it. Over time, though, if the market is kind to us, we can absolutely get to a place where we're neutrally geared or even go into a place where we're positive cash flow. Meaning we end up in a place where the rent covers the debt, covers the outgoings and puts a few dollars in our back pocket to go to the movies. This is a great place to end up. The best way to end up in this place is is to allow time to do its thing. If you buy for example a 4 or 5% yield today in 7 years that yield if you buy right will become a 6 or 7% return. And of course, depending on the cost of money, this can absolutely help you get to where you need to go. It helps you control the capital. This is critical to wealth building. And of course, uh, I teach there are four flywheels when it comes to making sure your assets are performing. You've got a location rent gap, you've got a disinvestment rent gap. If you're not reinvesting and making your properties rentable, there is usually a rent gap. You've got the market rent gap, which today the market is going to be very kind to people. And then you've got the tenant rent gap. You know, you don't want to end up with people who can't, Afford rent increases. And this is where we find ourselves today. A big conversation piece of getting all investors an extra five, seven thousand dollars per annum today is the market is going to grow from a rental point of view, and some tenants aren't going to be able to afford it. I've been talking about this for four years. So we are at a junction which I've been forecasting for people for a very, very long time. That all of a sudden, where we own real estate and who we rent real estate to is becoming a thing. So, the market forces today are absolutely going, uh, killing uh, supply. You know, we've come out of APRA killing supply um, through 2016 to really, you know, 2018, 19. Uh, We saw the federal election in May 2019. No investors were shopping in 2019, producing rental properties to be rented because of the election. You had uh, APRA meddling with basically uh, the, the borrowing capacity for investors so they couldn't borrow to become investors. All of this is coming home to roost because now there aren't enough rental properties for the rental market. Uh, supply is non-existent. We've seen uh, stock levels plummet across the supply lines of real estate. Today you can even look into the future forecast for supply of apartments and they're ridiculously low. Uh they're just not producing enough of them when it comes to the rental market, whether it's houses or apartments, we're at an all-time low. So the market is going to grow. We know spatial transformation is a thing. We know that uh, the rental market, for example, Uh, perhaps, you know, three people used to share a house. Uh, They were perfectly happy with that. Now that same house, only two people want to share it so they have more space to potentially work from home. So all of a sudden the same population actually needs more properties to be a modern worker in the economy. And of course, one big thing which is unfolding is people today are actually – building a lifestyle of having two properties. So a lot of uh, people are owning a property in Melbourne and down on the Mornington Peninsula. Uh, This is why you've seen capital growth in Sydney and Melbourne um, when some of the statistics show that people have uh, migrated from those places. Because Sydney and Melbourne people have doubled down on owning more real estate in Sydney and Melbourne. And of course, what this has done is again absorbed a lot of the rental stock. Um, We've seen massive owner-occupier loans. Like the boom, if you like, has been an owner-occupier boom. This has absorbed rental property. So investors have put their property on the market and sold it to an owner-occupier an investor has not put their property on the market and sold to another investor. And of course, this has diminished the amount of available properties within uh, within the, the country. So property managers actually have less properties on their portfolio to offer the tenant market. So again, these market forces are changing the trajectory of the cash flow coming through the system. And of course. We've got 200,000 migrants due in by June, which again is going to send a lot of properties and change the trajectory of cash flow on a lot of real estate, helping them go from negatively geared or neutrally geared to positively geared. And so we should see this absolutely happen. The flywheel is underway and uh, it's going to unfold where all of a sudden we're going to see this result when it comes to the market now there are two other ways to again change the trajectory of your cash flow which is finding the highest and best use of real estate and looking for alternative cash flow principles now remember We always have to go back to the cash flow flywheel. Location rent gap, disinvestment rent gap, market rent gap, and tenant rent gap. But for the purposes of today's podcast, the market is going to be very, very friendly to everyone. Now, remember, we've got seven money buckets we want to push results from on real estate. First money bucket is our job. Second, super. Third is our tax. Fourth is choosing capital growth properties. Five is choosing capital growth properties where we can change the trajectory. We know the market's going to do some work for our portfolio right now, which is great. But when it comes to the highest and best use of a property, we can buy a growth property, for example, that changes its cash flow trajectory. How do we do things like that? Well, certainly for me, I love buying properties which you can end up, for example, airbnb the properties. You take uh, a long-term rent instead of renting it out weekly. You fundamentally rent it out nightly. And of course, you can do things like furnish properties, create corporate leases. And some of the rents are absolutely you know, stunning. Um, If you're willing to, for example, furnish a property and put it in a corporate uh, rental environment, I mean, you can get a three to six month lease for a property which would normally rent for $700 a week, you can get $1,200 a week. Now, it's a three to six month lease, that's the trade-off. But again, if you buy the right growth assets, there is no reason why you can't change the trajectory on many of them. Remember, going back to Money Bucket uh, 4, we want to buy growth assets and Money Bucket 5, but we want a combination of really good growth assets which you'll never change the cash flow trajectory on. And the pigeon pair is growth assets where you can change the trajectory of them. Why do we want this? Because if we're going to end up in a cash flow position later in life, We want to potentially sell down our our real quality growth assets and keep the hybrid high-quality growth assets because they're going to produce more cash flow because we can change the trajectory of the cash flow. So I call this contemporary mixed use. Uh, You can do things like medical stays, university stays, NDIS. You can do short stay corporate, holiday stays, boarding rooms, rent to rent. These are all ways to achieve maximum results. But here's the gold nugget. To get short-stay rents or to get a manipulation of rental returns on your assets, it all comes back to location. Like, no one wants to short-stay a property in a shitty Gopnik location. They don't. You've got to go back to the one... Principle that real estate has always thrown out location, 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 because the best locations will, for example, attack uh, uh, attract the corporates. Now, one that springs to mind that I've been heavily involved in is Kirribilli, Sydney. Kirribilli is a beautiful suburb. Looks at the Sydney Opera House. Great vistas of the. Uh, Sydney Harbour Bridge it's a quality suburb no one can deny it is a quality suburb are you going to get growth in a location like curability absolutely but here's what you can also do in curability is create six month leases to corporates that are basically um, traveling and needing to use the CBD of Sydney for uh, for their business model and again, they will pay sometimes up to double the amount of rent just because of that location. Okay, so we changed the trajectory of the cash flow on quality growth assets. Now, uh, I've got some figures from a client of mine. Um, helped to buy a three-bedroom property uh, in Brisbane. It's right next to the hospital in Brisbane, the Royal Ladies Hospital in Brisbane. It's a cracking spot because you get medical stays. Her normal rent, if you like, um, for that property would be about $580 a week. Um, After she's furnished it and she's put things in like Netflix and played her insurance, she's annualizing $50,000 a year. Actually $978.66 to be exact. So she could have five eighty, or she could have nine hundred and seventy eight dollars sixty six. She still bought a growth asset. It's in a quality blue chip suburb, right near the hospital. All she has done is changed the trajectory of the cash flow. This is what I do. This is what I help other people do. But again, it is a uh, a big part of the decision when you're building a portfolio to create this asset allocation concept now we're up to the final money bucket now this is really really important we need to go back to money bucket four where we're building our or deploying capital and getting over that two million dollars worth of real estate acquired remember the first two million dollars of real estate you're going to buy, um, you know, you're probably going to start with a $500,000 property. You need that to become a million dollars, but that's 100% growth. So here's the little value bomb, right? The more assets deployed, the quicker you're going to get growth, the quicker you're going to make an extra million dollars. And for me, this is something that I use, right? Um, The reality is my portfolio is quite sizable. So to make an extra million dollars, I only need the market to move by 10%. right? So if I get 10% growth across my assets, I can pull out another million dollars. But APRA has basically made it impossible for myself for many other property investors to keep buying properties. I got to 21 properties. I'll never get back there. The reason being is APRA Basically, says this guy owns too many properties. Uh, He shouldn't be allowed to buy more. So that's here to stay. And this is why, um, in the past, you know, building uh, a larger portfolio to retire on was sweet. Like in my era, I went and did it. Can other people go and do it now? Not necessarily uh, because of APRA. So again, most people can get to four or five good assets, high quality assets, then they've got to change the trajectory of their cash flow. And again, Money Bucket Seven is just an income engine strategy where you change the trajectory of your cash flow by using the equity you've created once you get through that acceleration of wealth point. And the acceleration of wealth point. Is really for people who have jumped over two, three, $4 million worth of assets because they've got equity, but they can't buy more properties. And so this again becomes a really cool strategy for a lot of people. How do you deploy equity to create cash flow? Well, let's say you've got $100,000 in usable equity, it's doing nothing for you. Um, you uh, can buy that equity, but you can't leverage. In other words, you can go to your bank and they'll give you $100,000, but you can't then go and borrow $700,000 to buy a property. But you can get a, an overdraft, 3 4%, and go put that money to work. You're buying money at 3 or 4%. You then go and look for opportunities and really one of the best ways to create cash flow in my view what i do is joint ventures and syndications i team up with other people we all chuck in a hundred thousand dollars uh we borrow that money at three to four percent and we try and aim for anywhere from eight to twenty percent returns on uh on armchair developing again this is where, obviously, it's a more sophisticated model, but this is how people become wealthier. Now, again, um, for many people who probably still have a poor person's mindset just by virtue of the stage of where they are in their life, um, the idea of putting $100,000 into a development is um, you know, highly risky. But for someone who's built wealth over a period of time, it is not highly risky. And in fact, to even diversify that risk, many people who become uh, wealthy through property investment—hang actually... on a sec—the doorbell's ringing. Yeah, what's up, mate? Oh yeah, just put it on top. Yeah, thanks, mate. See ya. Uh holy cow going gotta get to appointment the delivery man's here um so just to be really really clear um the seventh money bucket if you like is the money bucket of diversifying your equity into an income engine and again i'm i i'm spread across around five developments right now like right now i'm part of and this is how i invest right I've got over the clear air of, um, into the clear air by owning enough buy and hold assets, which I need less growth to create equity from. It's just tick one. Tick two, I've built a portfolio that I can redeploy the trajectory of my cash flow. I can use other ways to speed up my cash flow coming in, through things like short stay and the variations of that. It's not just all about Airbnb. There are some great corporate things happening in the marketplace. There are some great medical things happening in the marketplace. But as I'm alluding to, the seventh money bucket here is absolutely um, uh, redeploying your your capital so you can redeploy, Change the trajectory of your cash flow. So if you can imagine um, if you – and I know for a lot of people it's hard to fathom, but if you've got $500,000 worth of lazy equity and you spread that across five different developments, which I'm doing right now – and your market exposure is twenty percent uplift. You're taking five hundred thousand dollars of equity, doing nothing, and you're making hundred thousand dollars in the marketplace. It is actually less risky to actually have more spread uh, when it comes to this form of money bucket. So, uh, what does it all look like when you put your seven money buckets together? Well, it actually is the third quadrant. You've got a great job coming in you've got great super tax deductions capital growth growth assets with a higher rental return than the normal market You've got active cash flow assets where you can change the trajectory on it, and you've got income engine assets creating more and more cash flow. Again, when you get to the end of this thing called property investment, capital growth is great. It will continue to come because if you build the right uh, asset allocation portfolio, it's just much easier to get capital growth. The difference is you use that capital growth in a different way. Rather than acquiring more assets, you acquire and change the trajectory of your cash flow. Does anyone think that they can do all of that by themselves? If you can, you are amazing. But I tell you what, most people can't. Uh, most people need a team and people they can trust to do all that. Hence why. Uh, Someone like myself is 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 literally into my third decade doing this stuff. You run into the wrong people, the right people, and all of a sudden, you get this acceleration point. It takes time. Uh, if you don't have time, you can use my model. Just reach out to me. Hey, thanks for tuning into the Urban Property Investor. I got a dash. I have a, a critical meeting I'm already five minutes late for. Thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.